Was that a beautiful song or what? Well, I could have sung that one two or three more times and then got started. How y'all doing today? I'm good. It's good to see you with us. I'm feeling pretty good. Had a good Thanksgiving. Hope you did too. Uh, I'm, I don't want to talk about eating though. It, it was good. Good Thanksgiving. We'll talk about important things today. We'll talk about, uh, it's an introduction basically to the Beatitudes. Uh, we won't talk about the Beatitudes today, but uh, I want to kind of set the background to uh, enable us to do so. Three questions that people have asked since the beginning of time. Where did I come from? Why am I here? Where am I going? Uh, if you're ever taking a philosophy class, you know uh, you know what these questions are all about. Uh, it's something that people have studied forever. Philosophers continuously search for answers. Uh, they can't find them or haven't found them yet, and they continue to dig and scratch and look because what's been described as an answer is not acceptable. And uh, the question continues. Philosophy comes from two Greek terms. One is phileo, which means to love. The other is sophia, which means wisdom. Philosophy is, therefore, the love and pursuit of wisdom. The quest, the search goes on, trying to grasp wisdom. Everyone has a worldview, and a lot of uh, philosophers would disagree with what I'm about to say, but since everyone does have a worldview, that makes everyone, in a sense, a philosopher. Because we all have a view of what the world should be like. And that's philosophy. And we all do it, whether we want to or not. There are two great divides, and that, of course, is human philosophy and divine philosophy. The difference is human philosophy is based on uh, human thought, uh, feelings, think so, theory. That's human philosophy in search for wisdom. Divine philosophy, of course, is something we receive from God, the infinite one, the all-knowing one. Uh, the quest to find these answers uh, will be fruitless unless, of course, we go to the author of life himself, and that would be God. But this is what philosophy is all about, and we're all engaged in it, at least to some degree. You've probably heard the name Nietzsche before, Frederick Nietzsche. He's a German philosopher from the 19th century. He scorned Christianity. He called it the religion of weaklings. Weak people need Christianity. Fearful people need Christianity. He was a strong opponent of Christianity. He was among the first to proclaim God is dead. I remember when that phrase first came out, at least in, uh, back in the day, um, and he was one of the people who uh, had originated that phrase uh, long ago. Uh, Oskinis wrote a book it's called The Dust of Death, and it's got a biographical sketch of Nietzsche in it. Now, you've heard the name Nietzsche and how brilliant he was and all of his uh, philosophy and yada, 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 yada. 
even if you didn't go to any philosophy classes, you, you've heard the name and some of his ideas uh, somewhere along the way. Well, here's what uh, he was all about. Guinness wrote, for Nietzsche to be consistent, he needed to become his own Superman. But his views were overwhelming, even for himself. He poised over the abyss. He shivered with a horror of being responsible for everything alive. In the impossibility of this situation, madness perhaps becomes his only possible freedom from the overbearing responsibility that he bore. Alas, Nietzsche said, grant me madness. Apparently the Lord heard and granted what he asked for. The last 11 years of his life he was insane and institutionalized. That's the great philosopher Nietzsche who tells us how things really are. As Paul Harvey would say, that's the rest of the story. Alas, grant me madness. This is what Paul was talking about in Romans chapter 1. Uh, what would happen with, with people. Although they knew God, God is everywhere. God is in our face, so to speak. Although they knew God, they did not give any glory to God, any recognition that God was there. They just ignored him as though he didn't exist. Nor were they thankful for all the things that God had given. They put God out of mind, more or less. Well, with God put out of mind, what do you have left? They became futile in their thoughts. Their, their, their thinking, their theories were idle speculations that weren't correct and weren't leading anywhere. And their foolish hearts became dark. The more they tried to find wisdom, the darker their hearts became until at last, professing to be wise, they had become fools. Sometimes they go insane. Human wisdom, a human philosophy, it goes nowhere. It's got nowhere to go. It's simply based on theory. The Beatitudes, on the other hand, are very promising when you contemplate the meaning of just beatitudes. The word uh, blessed comes from the Greek word makarios, and it means to be happy. Not just to be happy in the sense like you bought a new car and you're happy, because you know after a few months, six months, maybe a year, uh, you might start looking for another car. Happiness that we experience so often is usually short-lived, and then uh, we look for something else. Well, this happiness that Jesus is talking about is a lasting happiness. It's a happiness that can continue to exist even during very dark days, very dark times. Because regardless of what comes our way, and things will come our way, in this world, we have something to hold on to. We have an anchor for the soul. We know that God is with us. We know that no kind of pain or suffering can last forever. And we know that heaven will be our home. 
This is the happiness that Jesus spoke of. You can think of the Beatitudes, insert the word happy. Happy are the poor in spirit. Happy are those who mourn. Happy are the meek. And somebody says, well, that's just foolishness. How can a person poor in spirit be happy? How can a person in mourning be happy? It's just not possible. There's no way. That's foolishness. Christianity is silly. It makes no rational sense. Jesus said, I have come that they may have abundant life. The best life. The best life a human being can possibly ever have. The Beatitudes are the keys to happiness. Believe it or not, as sad as they may sound, they are without a shadow of a doubt the keys to happiness. Those of us who have lived long lives, we've tasted the truthfulness of what the Son of God has said. The worldview of happiness, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> is very different. Things are what satisfy us. The world system completes us. It fulfills us. Happiness is in the things we acquire. I like to acquire stuff. I'm no different than everybody else. I like to purchase a new car every 20 years or so. I like to acquire toys. I really like to acquire toys. I enjoy toys very much. It makes me happy. Achieving things gives life meaning. Being successful in your career, it gives life meaning. I've accomplished something. I've done something worthwhile and it makes me happy Doing things result in satisfaction. I like to do things and they make me happy. I like to go on vacation. I like to just be with my family. Doing things makes me very happy. But there's one problem with all these things. <clears throat> they don't last long, not near long enough. I would like some of this happiness to last the rest of my life. It doesn't. Thanksgiving over, got to wait till Christmas to have another big happy day, okay? They come, they go. Happiness is short-lived. <clears throat> I want more things. I acquire things. I want more. Which one of us to quit? You quit buying anything? Is there anything you don't want anymore? Well, you just bought something not long ago. Why aren't you happy with that? Well, I'm happy with that. I just want this too. There's always something we want to get our hands on to make us happy. Achieving things. You know, you, you, you step up in your career. And what happens? You want to take another step. You want to go a little higher. That $20,000 raise, it felt good it, for a while. And then I think I'm worth 20000 more, and I want another promotion. 
We always want more. We want to achieve more. And we always want to do more things. The world hasn't, hasn't got enough things to fulfill us. We always search. We're always looking. We're never satisfied. We're not content. We, 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 we have got to do something else because nothing lasts. The happiness doesn't last, at least. We always want more things. Mick Jagger and the Rolling Stones, they had it right. I can't get no satisfaction, at least none that lasts. It's all short-lived. It all passes. Well, religion, the worldly system of religion, which most religion is, the worldly system of religion is religion plus worldliness. You want to be religious on the one hand and want to be worldly on the other hand. This is what a lot of religion is all about, religious people too. I, I want my cake and eat it too, so to speak. Jesus clearly said in Matthew 6, 24, you can't serve God and mammon. Just can't do it. But so many people are trying nevertheless. I know Jesus said it, but that's not what I'm really doing. You got God in one hand, the world in the other. Well, no, I don't really have the world. That's not that important to me. I don't really care for that. But I just can't shake it loose. That's what a lot of religion is all about. Today, it's called, in the realm of preachers, it's called uh, the gospel of health and wealth. Uh, God doesn't want you to be deprived. He doesn't want you to be sick. He doesn't want you to suffer. He doesn't want you to be impoverished. God doesn't want you to go through any of these things. And then I think to myself, why am I suffering if God doesn't want me to suffer? Why do I suffer? It's because that's not what God said. It's not even true. Well, it makes contributions grow. But it doesn't take the pain away. A person becomes a Christian, you know what? They got the same problems they had. They don't go away. Just because you become a Christian, they don't vanish. You still got the problems. Probably going to have a few more added to it because now you're going to walk with Jesus. And that can be a challenging walk sometimes. There's no gospel of health and wealth. It just doesn't work that way. That's not what it's all about. Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20. Jesus said, the foxes have holes to live in. Birds of the air, they have nests to nest in. He said, but me, I don't even have a house to go and lay my head down in. This is the son of God. He had nothing material. He had no house. He had no bed. He didn't have a pillow. And we're going to talk about us having health and wealth today. God doesn't want you to be sick. God doesn't want you to be impoverished. Look at the life his son lived. Are we better than him? I, I don't think so. The gospel of health and wealth is actually hurtful. For one thing, it teaches something that's not true. And when people discover that it's not true, they feel like God let them down. No, it wasn't God who let you down. 
It was that preacher who preached the gospel of health and wealth because it wasn't true and he set you up for failure and it can cause a lot of pain and suffering. I've known a lot of people who have suffered because they believed it was true. It wasn't true. Jesus said, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, he said it chokes out the word of God and the disciple will actually become unfruitful. When you're too concerned about the problems of life, are we going to have third war? I'm going to go, I'm going to lose my mind worrying about this. All this fighting that's going on in different places in the world, I can't take it anymore. What about our economy? It costs too much. I seen a woman on the uh, internet, one of them sites, who was crying about how little buying power she had now. Jesus said when you get all consumed with that kind of stuff, when you're worried about everything about this world that you live in, he said it's going to choke the word of God right out of you. While you're, while you're busy, concerned about all these things, you're not concerned about your walk with God. You're not thinking about the things that God has revealed to you. You're not depending on the promises that God has made to you. You're setting yourself up for a fall. You're hurting yourself, and it doesn't have to be that way. But Jesus said this is the way it was going to be for many people. They were going to allow life to get in the way and choke out the word of God. Love for the world and the things in the world blinds the eyes of the wise. Lose the ability to see, I should say. Lose the ability to perceive reality, truth. And when we get to the point that we can't see, as children of God, when we can't perceive what truth is, we're in the dark. And we're walking in the dark. And the results can be disastrous. In Luke 12 and 15, the Son of God said, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. I was covetous. I denied it. I didn't think it was true. But it was. And then one day I decided to quit lying to myself about it. And face up to the truth. I wanted to make money too much. It consumed me. And then I wanted to make more money too much. There's nothing wrong with wanting to make money because we have to have money to live. But how much and how much of my time do I spend on the pursuit of money? or anything else for that matter. Things can get in the way. 
the things that the gospel of health and wealth supposedly supply could be detrimental to our spiritual being. Why, why would God give us such things if they were going to cause us to lose our soul? Now please understand there's nothing wrong with wanting to do well in life. There's nothing wrong with wanting to have a bank account. There's nothing wrong with wanting a new car. That's not bad. The question is, how much of my spiritual life am I willing to sacrifice to achieve those things? How much time does it occupy between my ears? You see, only I can answer that question for me and only you can answer that question for you. And we can lie to ourselves, I know, because I've done it. We can deceive ourselves, I've done it. It's hard sometimes to be honest. Because, you know, when you're honest with yourself, sometimes you've got to repent. Yeah, I really don't want to repent. But then I do want to repent because I want to live. That's more important. The gospel of health and wealth is not true. It's actually harmful. Jesus said to his disciples, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat, what you will put on. Life is much more than food. Life is much more than your clothing. Life is much more than the world. The world is temporary. We can only hold on so long. And then we've got to let go. You and I will leave the world. But the world will stay behind for other people to do with. The world is an experiment. The world is a testing ground. It's like, it's like basic training in the military. We are in the world to be tested. We are in the world to make a decision, to make a choice as to what's important to us. Is it the world that we can feel and touch? Is it the world that we can taste and enjoy? Or is it the one who made the world? John, I've given you life. Go out into the world and you make a decision, son. And when your life is done, whenever that may be, I'm going to judge you for the decisions that you made. Life is more than food or clothing. Life is so much more than a new car. Life is wonderful, it's great, it's beautiful. Life is having a father in heaven and brothers and sisters all around us. It just don't get better than that. In 1 Peter 5, 8 and 10, Peter said, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. 
resist him steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are experienced by your brotherhood all over the world. It's all the same. But may the God of all grace, who called us to eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after you have suffered a while, perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. That's the goal. That's the objective. God wants to perfect us, establish us, strengthen us, settle us. He wants us to make us strong children of his. That's the goal. But to get there, first, we have to suffer because suffering is a necessary part of our experience. Suffering makes us somebody. Suffering makes us strong. If we accept suffering with grace, the gospel of health and wealth, the Lord said you've got to suffer. You've got to be purified. And then you can be established. It comes after. In 2 Corinthians 4, 16 and 17, Paul said, Though our outward man is perishing, and it is, gets more feeble all the time. The inward man, the spirit, that part that's talking, that part that's listening, that part that's reasoning and thinking, that good part, that immortal part that never dies, that part is being renewed day by day through both the word of God and life experience. We grow stronger, more emboldened as we draw closer to the divine throne. For our light affliction, which is it's only for a moment, in comparison to eternity, yeah, it's just a moment, and it's very light. It's working for us on our behalf. It's making a far more exceeding <clears throat> and eternal weight of glory. Our affliction works for us. I walk funny these days. That works for me. And it works for you. Why would I hate it? Why would I abhor it? If it's God's will that it be this way, why not embrace it and accept it? Not going to change it anyway. <laughs> Might as well. Errors of the past. <clears throat> the Pharisees. The Pharisees believed that right religion consisted in divine law and religious tradition. The theories of men, philosophies of men. You got the Bible and then you got what people think about the Bible. The first century Pharisees, they had the Bible and then they had the teachings of the rabbis. Well, the problem was they didn't pay attention to the Bible, but they did pay attention to their theories their philosophies, their teachings. And in the process, they had to omit portions of God's word in order to have their theories and philosophies. That was their kind of religion. That's what most religion is today in the Protestant denominational world. Most religion 
is a combination of the Bible and human philosophy. And it's unacceptable to God. The Sadducees focused on the present. This would be what you and I would call modern-day liberals. They were the liberals. They didn't pay too much attention to the Bible. They more or less went with the times, what seemed good in their generation. Everybody's doing it, and they just kind of went along with the crowd. That was the philosophy. These were the religious leaders among the Jewish people in the first century. And this was their attitude towards God. The Essenes believed that right religion meant separation from the rest of society. They, they weren't hermits, but they, they, they got their own land away from the, everybody else. They lived in their own communities. They didn't want nothing to do with other people and they didn't want other people to have anything to do with them unless, of course, they wanted to come and buy their stuff because they had to make money in order to eat. But they separated themselves from society at large. That was their idea of right religion. And then there were the zealots. The zealots were the government, uh, what people call today right-wing conservatism. Uh, a lot of people are politics. They're more political than they are religious. A political party is more important than their, their, their devotion to the Son of God. I've seen people fight tooth and toenail over a political party or a political person and never stand up, not, not one time, in defense of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Which do they care the most for? Their party or the Son of God? They need to accept the truth and make corrections. The Beatitudes. Beatitudes are a recipe for happiness. Happy are the poor in spirit. Makarios, Jesus declared. You want to be happy, you want to live the abundant life. Follow the recipe that Jesus gives. The result is happiness. The central thrust of Jesus' message <clears throat> throughout the Beatitudes is righteousness inside out. That's the key to success. Inside out. Get righteous on the inside. Let the outside take care of itself. I look good today. I shaved. I shave every Sunday. I took me a shower. I put on my necktie. And I put on a sport coat. And I look good. You don't have to tell me. I know. I look good, don't I, Rita? I look like a preacher, except I'm sitting down. Overlook that and act like I'm standing up. I look like a preacher, because that's what a preacher's supposed to do. Righteousness outside. Jesus said righteousness inside. 
He said to his disciples, unless your righteousness succeeds the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to go beyond the scribes and the Pharisees. You've got to be more righteous than they are. What was he talking about? The inner man had to be transformed. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the Essenes, the Zealots, they didn't care anything for the inner man. The outer man was having too much fun. Jesus said, you'll never get to heaven like that. He said, you want to live with me forever? You've got to be righteous on the inside. You get yourself righteous on the inside. The outside takes care of itself. But that's the key to happiness. I'm not kidding. It's the key to happiness. It's the only... It's the only good happiness I've ever enjoyed. A lasting happiness. Because it gives us so much hope. If you aren't a Christian, you can change that today. If you believe that Jesus is the answer to the philosophical question of the day, if you're willing to repent of your sins, confess him, be immersed in water, today you can become a child of God. As children of God, I confess my sins before you all the time. And I do that so you can understand that we all do that. Don't have to be, well, of course we're going to be ashamed. But you don't have to hide it. These are your brothers and sisters. If you confess sin in front of them, they're going to pray their hearts out for you because they love you, because they want you to be successful. They know you messed up. Don't throw it away. Don't throw it away.